You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We've had great responses to the re-releasing of Rebel Yashu's Torah that was done a couple of years ago in the midst of COVID. Uh, the last couple of weeks, the episodes you heard were Rebel Yashu's very broad-minded take on, I would say, the Sipurim of the Parsha and, and, other, and the Hashkof as well. This episode in Parsha's Bow, which is so full of stories, so full of uh, the drama of whether it's Choshech, or Arba, Makas uh, and the Itzia, and you would think about Korban Pesach, the material that I collected a couple of years ago from Rebel Yoshev was really zeroing in on the mitzvahs of Tfilin and Pidyon Aben. Uh, some very interesting questions, uh, fascinating answers, thought-provoking. Uh, in some ways, sometimes somewhat open-ended, and of course, uh, you could perhaps uh, disagree or quibble, but I think listening to them uh, and will give you a sense of how Rebel Yoshev was showed really on, on so much of, of Torah and how he was the address for uh, so many questions that came up. And I, this Rebel Yoshev on the Parsha, this Parsha, Parsha's boy, of course, has the mitzvah of Tfilin. Rebel Yoshev's minag was not like you would think, all the Ashkenazim. He only made a bracha lahaniach, like the Sephardim. He did not make a bracha al mitzvah's Tfilin. So even though, as you can see in the Ramah, it says, Levarech al-Shorosh al-Mitzvah's Tfilin, and that's the Bnei Ashkenaz. Uh, if you look in the Ber Alocha, in Hilchas Tfilin, which is Simen Chafei, the Vilna Gaon felt like the Machaber. Um, now, and of course, Rebel Yoshev was... You know, although he came from Europe, he wasn't from an old Yershalmi family, but in many ways they followed a lot of the minhagim of the Vilna Gon, especially in Yerushalayim, where the Prush Mishraim followed the minhag of the Vilna Gon. The Chazon Ish also um, only made Lahaniach, and Rav Zalman, according to the aides of his son, Reb Azriel, who of course is Reb Yoshev's son-in-law, um, also only made Lohaniach. So that's pretty solid as far as that goes. Um, there's a lot of people who are machmer when it comes to tefillin uh, to blacken both sides. In other words, my tefillin uh, are black on one side, the other side is untreated leather. So Rebel Yoshev felt that it really shouldn't be done. It's against the Minig, and it's a new Minig. It really shouldn't be done. He didn't like it. If it, if a person does it already, it's it's not a problem, but it's really a new thing. The Rebel Yoshev didn't feel that it really had sources that were uh, significant enough to recommend it. 
Uh, interesting question they asked Rabbi Yoshev. Um, let's say a person goes to shul and he's got his tefillin on already. Um, and the other person is holding his tefillin zekel in his hand. Is there, a, is there an idea to let the first person in because he's got tefillin on? That's a chashivas that he's wearing tefillin. That's what they asked Rabbi Yoshev. So, Rebel Yoshev gave the opposite answer that you would think. He says, it's the opposite. The one who's holding tefillin is, diff- is, is, is the one who should go in first. Because the second one has got the tefillin on his body, it's like the tefillin are bottled to his goof. Whereas the first one, it's like he's holding a cheft to the mitzvah. It's like the opposite. <laughs> Again, 99 out of 100 people would have answered the exact opposite as Revel Yashvan on this guy, I think. Um, but it's also, uh, if you take a look in the Pischei Shuva, um, he brings from um, the Mario Diskin, of course, the great genius. We talked about him uh, the other day when it comes to Kiddush Lovana. He was the one who made a difference in Kiddush Lovana and Kiddush Akama. The Mario Diskin, who also eventually came to Yerushalayim, was in a simple, saw this actually happen where two people came in front of him, the base Madrish. One of them was, uh, with the Talis and Tefillin. The other one was wearing them and they were sitting there thinking who should go first. And, um, the Mario Diskin says it's a Mishnah Nagayim, a Mishnah in Mesechtas Nagayim. It says over there that if you're wearing the Begadim, then they don't become Tomei in the same way. They, they're they not called Shaboel El Abayas. But if you're carrying them in your hand, then it's called Vahavo El Abayas. And if it's, they're there, there's a certain Zamanshia, they become Tomei. So you see that once it's on your body, it's, it's Ke'ilu Tofel to the body. So therefore, he said the same the same idea that Rabbi Yoshev said that you would take the person who was holding the tefillin first. This is a very strange uh, question um, that they asked Rabbi Yoshev. There was a certain uh, person who he says he's on shuv already, but he was very um, uh, talented in his ability to write the calligraphy. He was able to write beautiful tefillin and mezuzahs. So that's what he did. He got the klafim. He was totally not from. <laughs> he would do it even on Shabbos. Um, um, you know, um, you know, he would do it. You know, he said he said he would to him. He, he was just a very talented scribe. He had that ability, but he wasn't from at all. And he didn't have a kavana for mitzvah. So, and then he made a bunch of money, sold them. You know, again, I don't know who he made up the names of who the sofer was, but, you know, he brought them and be, oh, it's beautiful parshias. Oh, they're written beautifully. And they were sold and people sold them in farm stores and stuff like that. Um, so now the question is, what should that guy do? Now he feels, he, he feels terrible about it. 
right? You can imagine he's quite a, you know, quite a rusher that he was, but you can see why it was easy for him to do it. He, he didn't think much. He thought, yeah, let I'm making a lot of money. Yeah, you can get a pair of filling. They probably get, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for, for, you know. so anyway, what should he do now that he wants to do tshuva? Does he, is he mechuyev to, uh, to go to all the people, the bookstores that bought from him? Um, should he go tell them the story that he really wasn't from when he was writing it and that, uh, et cetera? Um, should he do a search? And because there was probably some sort of number that was connected to the tefillin that he gave and go and find everybody who bought those tefillin, which obviously are not kosher because they were written on, uh, they were written without the kavona, uh, the proper kavona, Hashem Hashem. So, Rebel Yoshu said this is a very difficult question. Um, he said, basically, what you're going to have to do, you might not be successful, but the person is going to have to do that. He's going to have to admit, going to all the places that he sold that he can remember, and try to track down the tefillin that he sold, and to tell them. Um, obviously there's, you know, the, the Shulchan Aruch does speak about someone who, um, you know, he, it's impossible to do tshuva. And we talk about doing things with Sarechei Arabim, you know, a person who stole from the Rabim. Uh, and he stole from so many people and now he wants to do tshuva, but there are so many people he stole from, you know, so what's he supposed to do to, to make that up? You can't discover them. And of course, you're supposed to invest in Sarkar Rabim and making better streets and doing things like the wells that people would drink from or other sorts of binyanim that would help the, the, the greater Tsibor. So, uh, you know, the, the difference is there, the shot is, and the reason why that sort of helps is because in a way you stole from many, many people. And now you're giving back money, which maybe will help. And remember, we saw there's some who say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Hashkocha Pratis will maybe make it that if not those children, their grandchildren, whatever it is, the Arshim will somehow get the amount of money you stole back. Like this, we've seen that some people write ideas like this, that if you really have the right mindset, doing this Tzarek HaRabim could lead, I saw Rav Chaim Kanievsky, I think, mentions this as well, it could happen. And, and there were Maisim that proved it, that it actually did happen that way. Uh, I think we saw a story of Rechaim Kanievsky, where a person uh, made a, a park bench. Uh, he dedicated a park bench, and it turned out the person who sat on it was somebody he had stolen from. There are stories like that, and I, I believe HaKadosh Baruch Hu can make that work. The problem here is, is that there's a bunch of tefillin that's possible, right? It isn't just you, you stole money from people. The problem is, is that the tefillin is possible. And, and, and you've got a chi of your, to try that people shouldn't be wearing tefillin that is possible. Now, of course, you know, a, a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you know, is going to, the people who were wearing tefillin that was possible, they didn't realize, I guess a Kaddish Baruch Hu isn't going to punish them and he's going to, he's going to, he's going to give them a, a shame kiyam a mitzvah, but it's a lot different than just stealing money. I think that's the reason why Rebel Yosha felt that you can't just say work for the Robin from now on or uh, write fill-in that are kosher now and give them for free to people. That wouldn't be an Eitzah uh, in this case. Um, I asked Rebel Yoshev, another Shiva, his son-in-law, Reb Zilberstein. There was a family that um, 
that the the wife was becoming from, but the husband not doesn't wear tefillin. They have a mezuzah, but yeah, they're not sure if the mezuzahs are kosher or not. So we might have seen this question before. You might remember. I think we talked about it a different year. So yeah. what you remember? We had this question before. So yeah, the woman, yeah. right? So what the woman wanted to do? She wanted to take money from her husband, steal from him, and to buy tefillin and mezuzah. Um. And then uh, she would, you know, basically take his money and say, oh, somebody gave us a gift. So she came to Rav Zilberstein if she can steal money for her husband. Now, you could say uh, tefillin is something different because she's not mechuyiv in tefillin. So she can't steal his money uh, in order to get him a kosher pair of tefillin. But Rav Zilberstein was clearing since she, he is supposed, the husband is supposed to provide a home for his wife and a home needs to have a mezuzah. And the mezuzah here is probably one of the ones they got from Macy's or from Supersal. That's not kosher. So maybe she has a right to take his money to give her a home she could live in. You need a kosher mezuzah to live in that house. So, um, so when Rav, Rav Zilberstein told her that, um, you know, stealing is still stealing. You don't own, you know, you can't do Geneva. So, um, you know, you know, she really came back and said, but, I, but I'm so scared. You know, I, I want to be religious. And, you know, and the Arabs have the intifada. You know, we need a shmir in the house. So Rabbi Yashav looked at it a little bit differently. He said, look, let's talk about the guy who's not wearing tefillin. Um, you can't force a person to wear tefillin. Person's not wearing tefillin. That's a machlek is the uh, the uh, the nesivas and the ktsais. If you see a per- can you push a person and put pressure on a person and force a person to wear tefillin, even if you're a member of his household. So the ktsais says yes. The ktsais says every individual is like a shliach bezdin. Yeah, sometimes it gets to bezdin. The bezdin says, oh, you have to put on tefillin. Every individual is like a miniature bezin, the Nesiva says. But Rebel Yashav agrees with the Ktsais on this point. That really, the Tzibor, if they discover it and they decide they want to pressure a person to do a mitzvah, okay, they can do that. But you, a wife or a friend, has no right to force a person and to do things to force a person to make a mitzvah. So he's mechuyim and tefillin. And of course, if, if she could bring him to Bezdin, Bezdin would do it. But she's not Bezdin. And therefore, stealing in order to get him a tefillin and, and explaining to him how important it is and here's a gift and maybe we should wear tefillin because of the Intifada and because the Arabs live down the road, all that shtikarai is Geneva. And therefore, that would be a problem. Now, about mezuzah. 
Lachora, she can't really stay in the house. She can't be in the house. There's no mezuzah. So, the husband needs to give her a house. You're right, he said to Reb Zilberstein, that the woman can live in. However, Yoshev said like this, the Mordechai says that even the din of mezuzah is not ma'akev. In other words, where are you mechuyev and it's also to be in the house without a mezuzah when it's possible to have a mezuzah? But if it's e-efsher to, to get a mezuzah and you need a place to live, so then you can stay in the house even without a mezuzah. If you're not over the essay. That's the sheet of the Mordechai. So he says, in this situation, the woman... Um, you know, she can't get a mezuzah because the guy's not going to give her the money for it. And therefore, because of that, she has no right to take the money to buy a mezuzah either. So Rabbi Yoshev was not in favor of either of the Aitzes. So basically, she has to, again, hopefully the husband will change. But this type of shtikarai, Rabbi Yoshev felt was improper. Um, now, we talk about, uh, we talked the story before about the tefillin that were puzzled. So there was a young man who, um, sent in his tefillin. You're supposed to, you know, have your tefillin checked, uh, once or, you know, you're supposed to have check it every couple of years, every seven years or less, um, and they checked his tefillin, and they found that there was a letter missing in one of the parshias. It turned out that this was the same pair of tefillin the fellow had from his bar mitzvah. And he was very upset about what he could do. So, first of all, Rebbe Yoshev said that Okay, you're an Inus. And all those people in the other case, you're an Inus. HaKadosh, the Gemara says, if a person thinks he's doing a mitzvah, and he's nanas, the Torah gives him the schus as if he did it. Malav HaKosav. Now, Malav HaKosav, Yoshev says, doesn't mean you really get the same schar as if you fulfilled it. Ki'ilu also. So, let's say, if you really did it, it's 100% energy from God. Ke'ilu is 50%, 60%. So, basically, the difference between what you did and what you could have done is 40%, let's say. So, Rav Zilberstein thought that I have an Eitzah. You're missing 40% of this mitzvah, let's say. So what you should do is become like a Lubavitcher. <laughs> and you should go to try to find somebody that to, to help him wear tefillin. So if you could push to someone who's not wearing tefillin to wear tefillin, so you have a schus in that other person's actions, and now that person, is, and you really try to convince him and tell him how beautiful tefillin is, so now that'll make up 
for what you were missing. In other words, you're not, it's, you would definitely have some 60% of a key you have. Let's say the fellow was, uh, he hadn't checked his fill in, let's say in seven, eight, nine years. He's 22, let's say. So if he can get someone to wear fill in, you know, for the rest of his life, so that could make up for the 40% he was missing for the last nine years. That was uh, Rav Zilberstein's Eitzah for the person. Rav Yoshev said that, and this is something you hear from the other son-in-law of Rav Yoshev, Rav Chaim Kanievsky, he says, okay, you're missing 40%. You know what you should do? Learn the all the shitas Rishonim and Achronim. Go learn Hilchas Tefillin Be'iyun. Learn exactly what is the din and the ink about the cloth. Have it clear in your mind. And once you've learned it, don't just use your bar, obviously your bar mitzvah parashites you're going to fix up. Now, buy a pair of tefillin that's mehuder min mehudarim. So you really have two things here. In other words, this pagam was you. Again, Zilberstein said, oh, now I'm going to go now be a Lubavitcher and get people to wear tefillin. So, whereas Rabbi Yoshev said, yeah, I got a better Eitzah. This makes you sensitive to how important knowing all the halachas of tefillin are. So now, learn them all. Get it cold. And now, when you buy your tefillin, buy a tefillin with all the hidurim. And you're going to understand when you go to the Sfarim store or the Judaica store, you'll be able to understand what the different shitas are and what you're going to be paying for. They have the tefillin in the best way. That would be, Rebel Yoshev said, uh, a way that you could perhaps get back that 40%. Um, another mitzvah in this week's parish, we talked a lot about tefillin, is Pidyan Aben. It says, Now, um, obviously, if the if the people in the hospital are telling you that the child isn't going to live, and you you discover that even the child does live to be thirty days, so the halacha is you don't do pidyon aben, and that's a gemara in Babakama, It's in the Shulchan Aruch. So even though he lives past 30 days, but if you know he's a treifa, you don't do pidyon aben. So we know that it could happen today that the child has a disease that in the time of Chazal, he would have died within a year. For example, um, if a person, if he has like a... Um, you know, uh, a abscess in his, uh, his mehayim, in his stomach. So today we have an operation that he can actually cut that piece out and tie it to another piece of the intestine. So would he be a trefa? In the time of Chazal, he would have been. But today, maybe not. Now, let's say if this would happen in an animal, that there's a nekev in one of the animal's uh, major organs, that we could do an operation and cure that animal, and the animal would live. So 
in terms, and then let's say you shech that animal. So Hilchas Trefus doesn't change in terms of Achilo. Because you can't be matir that animal because it's a local Moshe Misenai that if you have a nekev in a certain certain organ spots and it goes all the way through, that that's called a trefa and shkita doesn't help. In fact, you know, there, there's a shitas, as we saw, the shitas tanoyim that says even trefas can live. Even though a trefa, according to shita trefa chai, it's no better. It's still called a trefa and shkita still doesn't help. Where else do we have the din of trefa? If you kill a trefa. So, the halacha is if you kill a trefa, someone who is halachically a trefa, you can't, even though it was done with Adam and Asra, that, the person who killed the trefa, we'll call him a murderer, cannot be put to death. So, what would be if the person who has this, that would be in the time of Chazal. But now we've discovered an operation that that person can be saved. So, Bechorah, you can't say that the person that you killed was going to die. The whole reason why you don't put a guy who kills a trefa to death is because you can't kill him. You're taking away the rest of this guy's life. And this person that he killed was going to die within a couple of months. That's like a Gavre Ketila. But if now that medicine has advanced to the to the point that that person that you killed could have gone into the Mayo Clinic and had an operation that would have saved him, Lachora, it should change the din. It's not like the trefus that we eat a local Moshe Misenai, right? Lachora, you should be considered a Rotzeach. Now, the third case is Pidyan Abed. Lachora Pidyan Abed has nothing to do with Hilchas Trefos of animals. The question is, is he going to live? So therefore, um, it should be the same thing as if a child, the same halacha for Rotzeach. The same way today, we would consider a um, the, the person a Rotzeach, L'chorah Pidyan Aben would change. Hilchas Pidyan Aben would change. And if this is the type of thing that we could cure, you should, you should do Pidyan Aben in this case. And Rebel Yoshev said <laughs> when he was when this was discussed with him, um, he says, "You're correct, and therefore you do would do Pidyan Aben, and you would make a brach on Pidyan Aben as well, and even before the operation, and you could do Pidyan Aben a hundred percent." That was Rebel Yoshev's opinion. And it sounded like he agreed with his son-in-law, but, you know, he agreed to the Svara. Now, um, we talk about Pidyan Aben. What about someone who uh, had a preemie? And, of course, you know, my, my grandson, uh, Caleb, preemie. My granddaughter, Odaya, preemie. Myself, also preemie. And what happens is you get put in an incubator. Um, so the question is, does that make an afkamina, you know, if you're a, a number of days early, 
um, maybe even weeks early, when do you cheshpen pidyon aben? So, it's interesting, Rabbi Yoshev's answer. Rabbi Yoshev says, well, Gabi Bris, it's a big Kiddush. Ugabi Bris Mila, it should be eight days when he leaves the incubator. He shouldn't have the bris right away. As he goes home, he doesn't have to be in the incubator, doesn't have to be in the ICU incubator. It should be eight days. But Pidyan Aben, if it's it should be from the time of his birth. And that would be in terms of Bar Mitzvahs, obviously that as well. Now it's interesting that Rafloma Zaman Orabach disagrees, and he feels the Pidyan Aben should also start. You should count day one from the time that he leaves the incubator, not from the day he was born. So I'm not exactly sure what the Machlekas is between Rebel Yoshev and Rafloma Zaman. We'll end with this last question about um He says, uh, they asked him about opinion Aben. He says there are Bali Tshuva that don't know if they're Kohanim, Leviim, or Yisraelim. They mamash don't know. And now they have a Bechor. So, Lechora, should you do opinion Aben? Now, it's possible they were Kohanim and Leviim, so they're Potter. But since Rove is, uh, Rove people are Yisraelim, maybe they're Chayev. So Yoshev quoted the Tshuvah Tzemach Tzedek. That's the Tzemach Tzedek. The, um, uh, I, I don't know if it's the Lubavitcher Tzemach Tzedek or the earlier one, Rabbi Nachum Krachmo, but the, the Tshuvah Tzemach Tzedek says that over here, even though Rove are Yisraelim, but you're being of him to give money to the Kohen. You're being Motsi Momon from him. So that would mean that it's a chi of mamon, that he owes the Kohen the money. So therefore, the halach is, ein hochen acharav, to be motzi mamon. The Ktsos's, uh brother, the author of the Sefer Kuntras Asfekas, says, you are mochuiv to do pidyon abed, even though rove says, uh, even though it's, you have to use the rove. Because, um, and that would be this, because he brings a raya from, let's say, a Suffolk, whether you, you owe, uh, Matnas So since you, there's a Cheskas Chiyav, so, um, you would be the same din over here, you would be Machuyev as well. So it's a Machlekas Achronim, whether you, what you would do in that case. Now, let's say, uh, it's a Machlekas Aposkim, whether you have to do Pidyan Aben. Let's say you want to give, the 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 Kohen the So Rabbi Yoshev says that since it's a machlekes, you shouldn't make a brach on such opinion a ben because it's a mach. Rabbi Yoshev couldn't be machria, which sheet is correct. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.